0: Jesus, we're grateful for uh, this time that's set apart. We're grateful for uh, the brothers and the sisters that enter into this space to offer what they have to bring you honor and glory and praise. Lord, we recognize that uh, what we have to offer, what we can give is just a mere fraction of what you deserve, but we give it anyways and we give it joyfully. And so we just ask that you be with Nathan now, as he opens your word, proclaims your truth, and invites us into your presence, and we just want to be transformed because of that. We ask all these things in your precious and holy name. Amen. Thank you. Morning. Good to be with you. This morning, and in my group, when they asked, what have you learned, or what stood out to you from Daniel, it's like, well... That's about what I'm going to do in my sermon. (laughs) Can't say much. And you're probably wondering why we had a Hebrews reading when we're supposed to be finishing up the book of Daniel. Well, it relates to what I'm going to be sharing about. So hopefully you've enjoyed studying the book of Daniel. I have. There's a lot, a lot in the book of Daniel. And one of the things I shared is by studying it, I realized there's a whole lot more than what we shared on Sunday morning. There's so much in the book. And today, as we wrap up our series, instead of looking at one particular passage, um, what it felt like God laid on my heart is to look at the life of Daniel and to look at him as a person and some of the lessons that we can draw away from him. And a question that stood out to me is, he went through a lot of challenges and trials. He was in exile. What was... His secret? What was the secret in his life so that he could stay faithful to God for decades? He's one of the few people in Scripture that nothing bad is said about. A lot of our quote unquote heroes of the faith, they had failings of one kind or another, but Daniel is one that there's nothing ever said that's negative about him in Scripture. And what was it? What was that secret that led him to be so successful and to stay faithful? God, and how can we apply that to our life so that we can stay faithful to the Lord and that we can finish well just as Daniel finished well? Because if you look at the world, you look at the the Christian world in America, there are a lot of Christian leaders, young and old, who have had moral failures, they've compromised with the world, or even when they got older, they just didn't finish well. They messed it up at the end in some way or another, that it's not just young ones, but older Christian leaders as well who have failed, and we should take warning from their example and the missteps that they have made. And on the other hand, we have Daniel, who provides a great counterexample for us as someone who lived a godly life for decades, Scripture tells us. It wasn't a perfect life or a life free from temptation, threat, challenge, difficulty, He lived a very difficult life, as we'll see, but he lived a godly life in the midst of all that he went through. So as I looked at the book of Daniel as a whole, here is a list. I don't know that it's exhaustive, but these are some of the challenges that Daniel faced in life. So as a young man, probably a teenager, he was forcibly removed from his homeland, carried off into exile in Babylon, where he spent the rest of his life. Estimates are probably around 65 to 70 years in Babylon after he was removed from what he knew. He was forced to learn a new language, customs, traditions of the new place he was living. They even changed his name. <laughs> Right, Scripture tells us that they changed his name and some of the other young men who were there with him. And he ended up serving in a governmental position for decades in a government, by all accounts, that was entirely godless. They had their gods that they followed, but they were not the one true god. And he was a governmental leader in the midst of pagan rulers. He had to leave everything that was familiar, had to make a completely new start in a foreign land, And while the kings that he had close relationship with, while the kings often liked Daniel, not everyone did. And he was faced with opposition. So much opposition that they conspired against him so that he would get thrown into lion's den to try to do away with him. It didn't work, as you you may have heard a few weeks ago if you were here. And then he had to confront these rulers, these kings, the ones who had the power to take his life away from him, Multiple times, he had to confront them, challenge them with their sin, and try to call them to repentance. And then, as we'll look at a little bit today, he had these visions and revelations from God that were mind-boggling and beyond comprehension. Daniel had a lot that was challenging for him in life, but through all of it, all the challenges, all the attacks, all the difficulties, Daniel remained strong steadfast he didn't compromise he didn't pursue worldly power or wealth he remained humble courageous and faithful he persevered he kept the faith and finished the race that was set out before him so what was it what was the secret for how he did that and how can those lessons help us today. And as I I use that word intentionally, what's the secret? You've probably seen these books that have steps in them, right? Five steps to lose weight, eight steps to live the life that you've always wanted, seven steps to be the leader that God wants you to be. And there's probably a lot of good things in those books and those talks, but I can't always remember five, seven, or twelve steps. And I hear those messages or read those books. It's like, this is great, but I can't... (laughs) I can't keep track of all those things. And as I looked at the life of Daniel, there's a lot of awesome things about him, that he was a man of courage, he was a man of integrity, he was a man of humility, he was a man of prayer. But when I look at the totality of his life, there's one thing that stood out above everything else that was his spiritual secret to success. And that's something that's actually accessible to you and to me, to every one of us, whether we're four years old or 104 years old. The secret for Daniel was he had a life with God, and that's it. He had a close, growing relationship with God, and out of that, everything else came. All the fruit, all the courage, the humility, the integrity, all of that came out of his life and his relationship with God. And even the pagan rulers recognized it, because several times they say that the spirit of the holy gods is in Daniel. Even the pagan rulers could recognize that there was something different and set him apart from everyone around him. They didn't recognize that God was singular, but they recognized that there was something different about him. And it was the faith that he had, the relationship that he had. The spirit of the holy God was in Daniel. He had God in his life and lived life in relationship with him. And that is a secret. That's a secret that's accessible to each one of us. So, Daniel had strong faith, strong connection with God, and that was foundational. Multiple times in Scripture, we see him praying to God, and God gave Daniel visions, dreams, revelations. So, there was this two way aspect to his relationship with God. For Daniel, God was real, personal, Daniel knew him intimately. He lived out Hebrews 4 that Jordan had read, that he approached God's throne of grace with confidence. He knew God. This was before Jesus, right? Jesus is the mediator, the one who provides a way for us to come to God. But even five, six hundred years before Jesus, Daniel had this close personal relationship with him. And if you look at chapter 9, he's got a prayer in there, but A lot can be revealed about Daniel's relationship with God and his theology from that prayer. But in Daniel 9, verse 4, he says, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with all who love him and obey his commands. And then later in verse 9, he says that God is merciful and forgiving. Daniel's God is real, he's personal, he's holy, righteous, true, forgiving, merciful, and loving. Daniel knows his God and talks to him directly like you or I would talk to our spouse or to her friend. And what's fascinating is, like I said, it's before Jesus, but he's also not in the promised land anymore. He's not at the temple. He's not offering a sacrifice. And yet Daniel knows God and has this close relationship with him. And that's his pattern, which got him into trouble in chapter 6, that he would pray Three times a day. Daniel also probably prayed at other times as well. I'd say most likely <laughs> he prayed at other times, not just those three times a day, but throughout the day he kept in contact with God. And Daniel knew that God was not confined to a temple. He was not confined to religious practices, that we can just approach him and now post Jesus' time on earth, as Hebrews says, we can just come to him, throne of grace with confidence, anytime, place. And talk to him. And that's what it was like for Daniel, that he had this close, faithful relationship day after day, year after year, decade after decade. And that was the secret of success that my prayer is that would be true of you and me, that we would have that sustained personal relationship with God day after day, year after year, decade after decade. And part of that relationship that Daniel had. Like I said, were the visions, the dreams, these fantastical revelations that God had given to him and to the kings around him. It's a large part of the book of Daniel, and sometimes they're really confusing or obtuse, and it's hard to get what is going on. But as I thought about that, um, one of the things that we often talk about is listening to God's still, quiet voice or being still and quiet before God. Sometimes I emphasize the story of Elijah where it's talked about that he speaks in a still, small voice, which is true. I affirm that. But as I look at some of the stuff that happened with Daniel, um, there's more to it than that. We do need to be still. We do need to be quiet. We need to have times of silence and solitude, But it's true that God also shows up in other ways. So here's some of the things I noted about how Daniel responded to some of these visions and dreams that occurred in the book after his name. The visions were troubling, disturbing, terrifying. His face turned pale and he was helpless. His strength was gone and he could hardly breathe. He was overcome with anguish. He stood up trembling. One of the visions caused Daniel to be exhausted and ill. Another time he was appalled. In chapter 10, it says that Daniel had a vision and the men who were with him, they couldn't see it, but they were so terrified that they ran and hid because of the vision that Daniel had and he was left all alone with God. Some of the visions were mind-boggling and beyond comprehension. And then if you think outside the book of Daniel... There's the fire and thunder at Sinai, the whirlwind and the storm in Nahum, and God spoke to Job out of the storm. And oftentimes, I think we expect an encounter with God to be one of peace. We expect God to be gentle, to be calm, to be this stereotypical picture of Jesus holding a lamb, peaceful, calm, quiet. And there is scripture to back that up, but when it comes to God, we need to be careful that we don't pigeonhole who God is because God is a free God. And the words that I used from uh, Daniel and his experience, they don't connote a peaceful experience, terrifying, troubling, helpless, exhausted. Daniel's experiences and his encounters with God were not what we would call a quiet or peaceful and we need to have those times of quiet but we also like i said need to get god out of the box and be aware that god also speaks to us and has encounters with us in other ways the one the experiences that daniel had were real right they were real true experiences encounters that he had that i'm sure strengthened his faith drew him closer to god And sometimes God is going to show up in dramatic and, I might even say, terrifying ways. But let's not miss his voice because we're only listening to that, or trying to listen to that still, small voice. Or having some peaceful, meditative experience. So I want to look at the two poles of the spectrum, right? God is gentle, merciful, forgiving, loving, but he's also holy, true, righteous, and terrifying in his splendor and glory. If we saw God for who he was, we would be completely undone. And this happened to Isaiah, the Apostle John, Daniel, Ezekiel. They had encounters or experiences with God, and they (laughs) fell on the ground because they were so terrified by the experience that they had. Multiple people in Scripture had those experiences. So let's remember that God can do what he wants, when he wants, how he wants, our duty, like Daniel, is to draw near to God, to trust him, to walk in obedience to him, and to follow him faithfully in a love relationship. So practically speaking, what does that look like, or what might it look like for God to show up in our, in our lives in ways similar to Daniel? And I don't know. <laughs> it could be a literal or figurative storm, It could be a loss, it could be a challenge or a trial, it could be difficult circumstances or even people opposing us. I can't parse out for sure what it might look like, but I know in my life that there have been times when I have encountered God through really hard and challenging and distressing circumstances. We just need to be listening for God's voice. Whether he speaks to us quietly or loudly, whatever it might be, we need to listen and be aware that God wants to interact with us and to speak to us in our lives. So if Daniel's experience is part of who God is, that God is holy, that he's completely set apart from sin, that if we encounter God in all his raw majesty and glory, how can sinners like us approach a holy, righteous God And the answer is what Jordan read earlier. The answer is Jesus. That Jesus' life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension make a way for us to come to God as we are. In our brokenness, our sin, our filth, even our rebellion and our disobedience, Jesus makes a way for us. To come to God so that we can even approach God's throne of grace with confidence, not out of our own righteousness or our own goodness, but because of what Jesus has done for us, that we have his righteousness and his goodness appropriated to us so that we can come to God in confidence, with boldness. And Daniel did it, and he sets an example for us that we can come to God with boldness as well and have a close, personal, intimate relationship with God. It's our privilege, our greatest opportunity to talk to the creator of the universe. As Daniel said, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with all who love him and obey his commands. Too often, though, we neglect that. We neglect that privilege to our own peril, I know for me that my relationship with God is not as strong as Daniel's as I look at Scripture. I don't think my prayer life is as strong as Daniel's. There's areas that I need to be growing, and maybe as you look at Daniel, as you look at your life, there's areas to grow as well. But the life that Daniel lived is available to us as well. And maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with God, or maybe you've neglected it for a while. Today is a great day to turn away from that and to turn to God and to have a fresh start with him. If you don't have a relationship with God, he loves you, and God wants to have a relationship with you, and he sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sins so that you can have a friendship with the creator of the entire universe. I encourage you to talk to God, to admit your sin, to admit your rebellion, and then to ask him to come into your life, to ask him to forgive you and then to trust in Jesus and to follow him and have a life with him as your king in a personal relationship. And if maybe you're a Christian but you've kind of fallen away from God, today's a great opportunity to come back to him because he is loving, he is gracious, and he'll welcome anyone who turns to him. Confess any disobedience, rebellion, ask for forgiveness, and then start pursuing that relationship with God again because he's right here. And he wants you. You can live the Daniel life. A relationship with God is available to each one of us to be able to approach that throne of grace with confidence because of Jesus. And so, looking again at the the book of Daniel, one of the things that another one of the things that stood out to me. I've kind of been talking about it, and this is, gets a little bit theological, but I see this. This interplay between, on the one hand, the transcendence and the sovereignty of God with his personal nature on the other side. We see God's sovereignty over history, kingdoms, rulers. The destiny of the entire earth is talked about in the book of Daniel. And that's right alongside the personal interaction that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have with God. Daniel knew who God was. He saw his splendor and his glory, but Daniel also knew him personally. So here's where we get into some of the theological terms. God is transcendent. He's higher than the highest heavens. He's the Lord of heaven and earth, and he rules over all. He holds the entire universe together and knows the end from the beginning. He's perfect, holy, righteous, brighter than the brightest star, incomprehensible, incomparable beyond understanding. And then on the other side. We have God being transcendent, but he's also imminent with an A. He's closer than our breath. He's with us. He's for us. He loves us. He's gentle. He's merciful. He wants us, and he wants a relationship with us like Daniel had. So God is transcendent, and he's also imminent. He's faithful to us, but the question is, are we faithful to him? Like I said, the most important lesson from Daniel is that he had that close personal relationship with God, out of which flowed everything else in his life. His life challenges us to have a close relationship with God, and to have that foundation for our lives, because every other foundation is sinking sand. So Daniel was a man of faith. He loved God. He prayed to him. He trusted him. But he also had these incredible visions, as I mentioned, and interpreted incredible visions for some of the kings that he had relationship with. But if you look at the time stamps on the visions and the dreams, they weren't regular. They weren't daily or even weekly, monthly, or yearly There were some long times and long gaps in between the visions. In Scripture, we read through this and we think, oh, this is all happening one right after the other. You look at the lives of other people who had these dramatic events in their life and dramatic encounters with God, and it looks like they're all just happening one after another, but that's not true. There's lots of time in between them and lots of time where it looks like there's years and years of silence. So I thought, what was Daniel doing in between the events in Scripture recorded about him? What was Daniel doing during the silent silent years? And we can discern his life from what is recorded in Scripture. He was praying, fasting, living a life of honesty, integrity, faithfulness, meditating on God's word, bringing leadership to the exiles as well as even to the pagans around him. And I've been at these conferences or Christian gatherings sometimes where you hear these dramatic stories about God miraculously healing someone, delivering someone from an addiction, giving someone a vision or a dream, God saving dozens of people through a ministry, God using someone to cast out a demon. And I've heard these stories, and to be honest, I thought, why don't I always experience this stuff in my life? Is there some sin that's uh, hindering God's work through me? Have I not prayed enough? Why don't I always see these dramatic manifestations of God in my life? Why don't I see his presence and power in really incredible ways? Now, there may be a sin issue. There may be a lack of surrender or a lack of prayer. But it could be that it's just one of those silent times in life, and I don't think those people who share those stories, I don't think that's their regular experience either. I think those are one time deals typically. The Christian life is not always dramatic. My opinion is that the Christian life is often rather ordinary and mundane. We do have a relationship with our Creator, with our God, but we don't always have dramatic manifestations, and Daniel didn't either. If you look at the timestamps in there, his regular experience was not one of seeing a vision every night or having some dramatic thing that happened to a king that he had to interpret a dream. And it's not just with him, but most of the people we see in Scripture, their regular everyday lives were not one of huge events or whatever it might be. So how does God want us to live when life is not dramatic? What does he want us to be doing? And it's living the life we see modeled in Daniel, living a life of dependency on God, living by faith, not by sight, living a life of faithfulness, integrity, and humility, loving God and obeying his commands, praying, fasting, meditating on his word, bringing godly leadership to those around us. Namely, God wants us to live a life with him. We were created to be in relationship with our creator, which only can occur through Jesus our Messiah, day by day, week by week, year by year, decade by decade. However long we have, we're to live lives of faith, independence on, and relationship to our triune God. And God may do incredible miracles and dramatic things in our life from time to time, but the regular every day is just living a life of faith. In relationship with God. And it doesn't matter who it is. If you look at some of the heroes of the faith, like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Ruth, Boaz, Moses, Noah, the list goes on and on. We think about them being superheroes, but they're not. They're ordinary people like you and me. And God can take ordinary lives and do incredible things through our faithfulness, through our love, through our relationship with him, which is good news. The guy can use ordinary, everyday men, women, and children because Daniel was a human just like us. And so as I wrap up, I want to look at three different categories of people that we all are going to find ourselves in one of these. And one of the things I was sharing that stood out to me about the, the story of Daniel is that we see his faith journey throughout his entire life, and we don't always get that story from everyone. The book of Daniel starts when he was a teenager and ends when he was in his 80s, probably, and we get to look at the big picture and see that he was faithful through all the stages of life, and so I want to start by looking at younger believers and address, by younger, I'm going to say anyone under the age of 30, and my numeric uh, ages, there's nothing um, special about these, just what I, <laughs> I had picked. But those of you who are younger believers, which I'll say is probably 30, teenagers on up, children as well, for those of you who are younger, you don't need to wait till you're older to serve God or to have God use you. Because if you follow Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is all you need for a life of God and service in his kingdom. You have everything that you need for the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you look at Scripture, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Mary, the mother of Jesus, the apostles... There are others that God used when they were young, because I don't know if you know, but the apostles were not old men <laughs> when they were following Jesus. They were quite young, some of whom people think were actually teenagers when, God, when Jesus called them to follow him. God can use you and wants to use you as a young person. You just need to open yourselves up to the Holy Spirit and be obedient to what God wants you to do. God has placed you at Northridge, Southview, Danville High School, Bismarck Henning Schools, other schools in our area, at DAC, at your fast food job, your landscaping job, your workplace, your sports team, your extracurricular activity, your school, your family, wherever it is, we need you in all of those places, and we need you to represent Jesus in all of those places that God has for you. God has placed you there. To represent him, to be his ambassador, to show love, to show God's love to your friends, to your family. And if it's, not for, if it's not you, there may not be anyone else who can do it. I don't have those relationships. I don't have those connections, but you do. And God has you there as a young person to represent Jesus and to live life for him as a student, as a young, um, young worker living for God. And I believe that God can change Danville, Vermilion County, and the world through young people who are surrendered to him. We who are older are here for you. Live the Daniel life, the Jesus life, right now. And honestly, I wish I had done that. I wish I had started when I was younger, that I was following Jesus when I was like 12, 10, 14, what have you. And you have the opportunity to do so. Don't be afraid. Be strong, full of faith, full of courage, and see what God will do. And too often, those of us who are older, and I start to fall into that category, I hear people always looking down on the younger generation, whether it was Generation X or then Millennials or Generation Z, or I think my daughter falls into Generation Alpha, though I may be wrong on that because I was just curious about it, but we need to not look down on the generation coming up behind them as if our generation had everything together and was all right, because we didn't. Every generation has their shortcomings and failures and their strengths as well. And so with our younger brothers and sisters, we need to come around them and encourage them. And you need to be full of courage and life and live the life that God has for you as a young person. Now, going to the other end of the spectrum, those who are older, which I will say is anyone over 60, and remember, not hard and fast, but those of you who are older, you're not done. You're not retired. Your term of service in God's kingdom is not over. Don't give up. Press on. Finish well. Because we need you, and we need you to finish strong. We need you to keep serving, keep praying, keep growing, Life in God's kingdom is a life of growth until death, or at least it ought to be. Those of you who are older, we need your example, we need your mentoring, we need your coaching. As you get older, maybe you don't have as much energy as you had when you were younger, maybe you have health issues that take up more of your time, but if you have breath in your lungs, God has a purpose for you. Use what strength you have and your life experiences and your wisdom to invest in those of us who are younger. And don't wait for us to ask you. Pray and seek out some of us who are younger, whether it's someone who's 50, 30, or 15. Build relationship with us and see what God might do through that relationship. Because we need you. We need your guidance on what to do and what not to do. Teach us from the mistakes you have made, your successes, your failures, Help us see what a life of faith looks like through all the stages and journeys of life. And I know I've been encouraged by older saints who are continuing to be faithful, who love the Lord. We were at, um, Jordan Jordan and I were at our district conference this last week. And it's encouraging to see those who are older, still there, still loving God, raising their hands in worship loving Him, serving Him, and we need you to do that, to inspire us, to encourage us. So just keep at it. Keep persevering. Finish the race that God has for you. And then the rest of us, those who are in the middle, somewhere between 30 and 60, which is where I find myself, those of you who are in that category, learn from those who are older in the faith but also invest in those coming up behind. I don't have the youthful energy and zeal that I once did, but I also don't have too many major health problems yet. Been serving God for a while, living with him. Got a bit of a platform of leadership in different contexts, and maybe you do as well. We just need to keep on keeping on and not fall into the traps and temptations of the world around us. Because those of us in this middle category, and there's traps and temptations for every age, but we can often fall aside into pursuing money, wealth, career, power, popularity, influence, instead of pursuing the kingdom of God. Those of us in the middle, we're often at a bit of a a crossroads in life, the so-called midlife crisis, right? (laughs) What are we going to pursue with our... Our life? What are we going to be known for? What are we going to spend the rest of our life on? I want to encourage those of us who are in the middle to press into God, to live the Daniel life, the life that he sets out for us, to live an upright, honest, faithful life of integrity and prayer in relationship with God. So, three different uh, age categories, probably a little different call for each one. But the book of Daniel and the life of Daniel provides instruction for us in whatever phase of life we find ourselves in. And Daniel went through all those stages and stayed true to God. I don't know if you've ever looked into it, but when he was thrown into the lion's den, he was probably an old man in his 60s or 70s. It's not like this picture of him in his 20s or 30s, but the story of Daniel in the lion's den was when he was older. But he didn't compromise. He stayed faithful. He stayed true. He never wavered. He loved God and was faithful to him till the end. And by the grace of God and the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, we in this room can do it as well. No matter how old or young you are, you can live a life of prayer, faith, and can have a dynamic, growing relationship with your Creator. And like I said, if you haven't been doing it, you can start today. Because what Hebrews 4 talks about is what we have, to approach God's throne of grace with confidence. And if you're not sure where to start, you can ask somebody here. But I would encourage you to start by reading and obeying scripture, spending time in prayer, talking with God, listening to him, building that relationship, seeking him and his kingdom above everything else. To build that rhythm and routine, just like Daniel had. He prayed three times a day. There's rhythm and routine to a life with God. And maybe it's not always dramatic, but it's just living the mundane day by day, pursuit of God and his kingdom, and then out of that, let's look and see what God might do. That's the secret of Daniel's success, the secret for you and me, to live in relationship with God. And it's okay if we never get recognized, we never write a book or anyone ever writes a book about us, it's okay if we never get rewarded or praised. It's okay if we never get any earthly honor. Keep loving God and pursuing him, knowing that our reward is in heaven. It's not hard. It's not profound. We don't need to go on a pilgrimage. We don't need a guru. We don't need to do some elaborate ritual. We can just start today where we are, who you're with, because God is near. He is with us. We have access to him through Jesus. Talk to him, listen to him, love him, obey him, and see what God will do. Let's pray. God, we are thankful that you are the transcendent creator of the entire universe, but you are also a God who is closer than our very breath. You are with us, you love us, you want us in a relationship with us. So please, Lord, draw us to yourself encourage us, strengthen us in our faith, and may we live the the life that Daniel sets out in front of us to live a life of relationship with you, a life of honesty, integrity, faithfulness. We pray that your spirit would fill us and empower us for the work that you have before us, and that he would keep us, that we may be faithful through all the years of our life. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.